I mean, I'm not going to have, you know, the man, the champ on and not take advantage. So I'm still, I, um, rounding into form. <laughs> That's <what> I mean. <laughs> As Dan saw last night. <laughs> I thought you did good last night. I mean, it was a tough was a hard draft. It was, man. That sucked. So I've got this board. Sorry, I hate showing the name, so I'm going to like too late now, but try to squeal it up. So basically, I'm in the three spot. I started with three uh, running backs. This is the best ball tournament, the 125, 200K. And I started it with uh, JT, Kamara, and Etienne. Yeah, yeah. And we were just talking about how when you do that, you come back in the fourth and like the receivers are sketchy. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're either starting with like Gabe Davis, uh, Jerry Judy. Like, how do you feel about these guys? Uh, they told me which guy they prefer out of, out of the guys listed there. Do you have a guy you like? I'm still trying to there's there's about eight guys that I'm trying to figure out the right pecking order and I'm struggling with it right yep. now. And it's in this range, right? Yeah, so I'm just trying to mix it up, but I probably like uh I'm pulling up my sheet here. You know, I had to I had to pick his brain while you were gone. I couldn't I couldn't help myself. <laughs> no, sorry about that. Sorry to be late. Um well, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. Like, yeah, I mean, Gabe Davis is probably a uh, I prefer him to Judy and best ball because uh, he'll have some big spike weeks probably. How do you feel about Marquise? Um, I probably uh, – what I'm kind of trying to do right now is uh, land those guys, whatever gives me the best chance to land two of them if I want to do that with my next two picks. And it's still kind of fluid, but right now – um, my data shows that Marquise just barely goes ahead of Gabe Davis, and they're both big play guys. So I think there's a better chance you get Davis on the way back if you're looking to go wide, wide. But uh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, just because of where they're going ADP wise. Yeah, valid point. Yeah, I mean, if you can't get him, I mean, uh, it's not know. like I can differentiate between them that right at this point myself very well. So. I try to use that as a tiebreaker to, you know. Yeah, I'm I'm Hollywood Brown here, uh, JD. All right, yeah. but between uh, between Hollywood, Gabe, uh, DK Metcalf, the odds are one of them will probably be there on the way back. You also do keep a potential stack option available with Marquise and Murray too, whereas Allen's gone. Yes, right. Yes, that's always a consideration. What stacks are available? All right, boys. Let's uh, enough of me. Enough of uh, of this. Let's get this going because uh, we got a we got a monster one tonight, boys. You know the Pope listens Dynasty our religion For the blokes missing On all of these trades On all of these plays On all of these grades By the end of the day Y'all getting played So what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex Send the homie a text That trash off is the best You try to make it complex Then they text you back Now all of a sudden They don't make any sense <laughs> Broaden your horizons boy Dynasty's not for the Simons boy these trades not for consignment, boy Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy This my advice, from me to you Open up your cute little podcast queue Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude Pop it in your ear, man, y'all know what to do It's the... And I always be traded And I always be traded And I always be traded Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them Fish What is up, Fantasyland? We're back in the district, and tonight we got a special one. I mean, guys, we're fresh off of back-to-back -back shows last night. You guys drafted a beauty in the Shark Tank. Maybe we'll address that later, but if you missed it, go check that out. Last night, 10 p.m., you guys drafted a monster draft with a bunch of Sharks for a lot of money, 250000 And before that, we went live with the Fantasy Mojo, Darren Armani. So go check that out yesterday, guys. Two amazing shows. Tonight, we have an amazing show. 
we have the man, the legend. I want you guys to, to just stop for a second. Unless you're driving, just stop for a second. Close your eyes. Put the volume up just, just a little bit. Just, just a tiny bit. All right. I want you to understand this man. 24 full season national champion titles. FFPC main champ. NFFC prime two-time champ. FFWC main. This man is a legend. He's the whale killer of all killer whales. He will eat the shark in your draft, and you hope he's not in your draft. He's Chad Shorter. Welcome back, my friend. Hey, good to be with you guys again. Welcome, Chad. It's yeah, good to have you back to in the district, you. man. Yeah, it's uh, can use a little break here. It's a bit chaos is ensuing. <laughs> <laughs> getting getting ready for the the crazy draft season, are you? Yeah, it's coming fast and furious now. Two tonight, Chad, or are you triple triple tapping it? Um, I since I was doing this, I decided to, to take it easy a little bit. I did two before, and I'm doing two in an hour, so. So t talk to us, talk to us about, I know we've asked you this when you, you've been on before and, and guys go check out those past shows with Chad because you're always learning something new from the best. What's your process? This is the time of year where you're really getting into it. Were you drafting prior to this? How does your off season kind of lay out? Uh, my off season, I just keep up with the news a little bit on Twitter, but I don't, I'm not digging deep into it. I don't, uh, watch a bunch of college videos and stuff during draft, the, the real draft season and all that. Um, and then I just kind of start grinding away August 1st and with a clear mind and, and uh, go from there and try to get, do some small drafts and, and uh, struggle my way through this until I hopefully get into form here sooner than later, but I'm still, it's a work in progress for sure. Did you hop in any, uh, best ball leagues uh maybe when you're kind of taking your your time away from the the higher stakes leagues to, to kind of get your process going yeah i mean i before i did any uh you're on the clock oh nice. sorry about that that won't happen again slow nice. down <laughs> those are excuses we all got them going gave me a heart attack i thought i was missing a draft uh, um, so uh yeah i did uh I did a bunch of underdogs. I, I've done 75 of those and, and uh, a bunch of DraftKings um, best balls. And then uh, I did kind of those before I started getting into the, the redrafts um, aside from a few FFWC main events. And those are uh, good preparation as well. Good players and they're very hard. So. Yep, and then, true. And then when you first step into, into the waters, are you doing maybe one or two of these 350s a night, or are you just kind of diving all in? Um, I've, I've been doing uh, two or three at a time. Um, make sure all my system's in place. I'm using a little different uh, method this year, so I don't have to cross off names on sheets. So I'm trying to figure out the best way to do that on all the sites. Um, and... And so I'd spend a lot of time uh, during the day tweaking things on the sites, but then it makes the, instead of crossing off names on a sheet, I know it's foolproof um, if my stuff's on there already. And then, uh, you know, it was, it was always chaotic when I'd be doing four or five at a time and I'd miss a guy or two on one and then you're looking to take him and he's gone. And uh, then you start, panicking and then you lose get behind on the other ones so this is much much better um so i'll start ramping up to three or four or five at a time here pretty soon um and it should go pretty smoothly i'm pretty optimistic with the tweaks i've made to the process so i, I i'm gonna say i mean i don't know how you can keep up with multiple drafts crossing off by hand i mean just keeping up with one draft and crossing off by hand is is sometimes almost too much uh, for me anyway, uh, I don't know what your system is. I mean, early in the draft, it's easy, but you know, when people start going all over the draft board and, you know, uh, you're trying to find, uh, you know, uh, I know Jalen Williams or whatever, you know, you're like, wait, wait, where is he again? That was my process for five. Well, the whole time, that's what I've done. Man. And, uh, so this is much, much better. Um, 
I actually have time to look at the draft boards a little bit, you know, and see what's going on a little bit better. Um, but uh, maybe I should just go stick with the old way because it worked. <laughs> it, I, I think it, you're onto something. So are you are, are you uh, putting in your own like customized draft list into each site so that you can just have that appearing in basically your queue as you're drafting? Yeah, basically. Okay. Yeah, that's that's nice. That's what I do because then you can kind of toggle back and forth between that and uh, whatever the site's ADP is, you know, to see what most other people are looking at. Uh, you know, so that's kind of a handy little feature. So that's that's one of the things that Theo and I did last night. When you know, like you... FWC, you can you can actually they have a cheat sheet feature even, so you can your cheat sheet's actually right there on the screen, and then you can just hit a button and it or click the player's name and it'll bring him right up to draft. So that's really slick. Uh, uh, Billy Muzio did a good job getting that put together. Um, he's made a lot of improvements over there with their functionality in uh, his time there. Um, and that, that software was uh, in some ways the hardest to, to deal with during the draft in the past, but so it's a lot better now. It looks awesome over there. Billy's Billy's been on the show a number of times. Um, I'm actually splitting a team with Billy in a couple of weeks um, in one of their mains. So uh, I'm really excited about that. Um, I had one question for you is you talked about this, this uh, previously when you've been on the GOAT district. Some fantasy players that are, that are high stakes, high volume guys like yourself are trying to track percentages of their exposure to, to, to the players they're drafting. Um, it seems like you are – that's like not something that's necessarily one of your big, big priorities. Um, are you hammering the same kind of late round guys this time of year? Um, I know obviously your, your first round, second and third round exposure would probably change based on your draft slots, but do you have like these late round guys that you're, you're really into right now? Or does that kind of, does that kind of that change during your process during like, let's say um, the rest of the month of August? Um, I do. Um, I'm, I'm finding myself uh, a little behind the curve uh, with, with some of these guys. So I got to uh, make some adjustments when I'm in a sharp, sharp room for sure and uh, not get so anal about uh, making sure I'm getting them at exactly the right price point when it's in the 15th round. You know, who cares? So. Yeah, no, for sure. And uh I wanted to, to also go back. Who were some of your biggest hits last year of players that really helped you, um, you know, win, win championships and, and have great success? Um, were there certain draft picks that, that really stand out to you as guys you were really right on? Um, uh, yeah, I had a very, very high rate of, of uh, qualifying for playoffs last year. Um, best I ever had probably easily um i didn't things didn't go as well in the playoffs for me um i was a little light on chase and burrow but uh i had a lot of cup last year um and um i don't i don't know how i had a good year really i mean i didn't have much taylor and i didn't have i had a whole lot of lavisca chanel um and so i don't know uh what all added up but i think just goes back to team structures and uh not having weaknesses in your lineup too often and and then one guy i'm um, on the free agent wire that really a couple guys um saquon barkley real or excuse me booker uh, really stepped in when and uh it's not real pretty watching him do it but he was getting 15 points a game uh while barkley's out and then uh, another guy especially at ffpc um, that really shored up my weak tight end teams. Um, and then he fizzled in the playoffs. So that hurt me, but uh, it was Dawson Knox. Um, but he was really good in the, in the league playoffs. He, he was really good those weeks. So um, he was really, really shored things up for me at tight end on a lot of teams. You brought up Cooper cup. Um, how do you look at like, potential teammate situations where maybe there's two wide receivers going kind of close to one another in your process. Like this year, we kind of see the, 
Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddell. We see Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy. We see Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. Um, and they're like close enough that you want to be right um, in those situations where it looks like, you know, maybe one guy's going to be more impactful to us than others. How, how did you go about looking at teammate situations like that? Because I think that's a, that's a, a, was a big factor for a lot of people last year having success. Yeah, it was. And to be honest, you know, last year I was taking Woods ahead of Cup. Um, and I think, and I did that because that's generally how they came off the board. Um, I didn't want to, if I made the decision to take Cup uh, every time there, I would have ended up with him every time. And I don't want to do that when I'm not sure. Um, so the same thing applies here, but uh, there's, there's a, big enough gaps between these teammates that you're mentioning that I, at this point, am uh, not looking at them as though they're teammates um, because I think there's enough gap in where they're going in the drafts. Uh, Allen and Williams are probably the closest. Um, and I guess Sutton and Judy are pretty close too. But, I mean, right now I clearly take Keenan Allen and Sutton over uh, Williams and Judy. And how about if how about uh, with with potential messy running back situations? Is it are those situations you want to stay away from um, with the way you draft, or are you like diving in when you know potentially like last year we saw a Fournette and, and Ronald Jones going going late enough, um, and they were both close enough to one another. Um, we, you know we saw obviously the James Conner and Chase Edmonds were, were going a little later, like these sort of running back by committees that end up producing, you know, potential fantasy, fantasy goodness. How do you evaluate the, those? Or are you trying to stay away and looking for running backs that have a more of a clear path? Um, I was wrong on about all those last year as well. And also wrong on um, Singletary and uh, Moss, but uh, I, uh, I try to err to the one that I think is going to at least be the pass catcher that maybe has a chance to roll into more, but. Um, yeah. But those I, are tricky. I mean, I, I uh, generally try to, to avoid them for the most part, but uh, um, sometimes there's just a big hole in your board and they're just left behind and you got to, and, and that's why I having a lot of teams, um, allows me to take some shots once in a while when they fall to an acceptable point. So where, where are you with uh, stacking? And, you know, we talk about the receivers, uh, Theo gave some examples, guys that are close. Do you ever get them on the same rosters? Do you, do you stack, do you look for stacks or do you have a problem with it when you're building? I don't really worry about it and redraft very much at all. Um, I do try to, use it as a tiebreaker when taking the quarterback um, or if there's a particular couple wide receivers that I'm fond of later in the draft, um, I'll keep that in mind. Um, if I'm trying to decide which quarterback to take, if I can pair up something, um, I mean, I don't think it's critical to have a, a pairing and to win a shootout, but uh, you weren't winning last year if you didn't have Burrow and Chase. So, um, there's some years where that's going to happen. And um, the easiest way to stock points quickly is having uh, a, a high scoring wide receiver paired with his quarterback. So it makes sense uh, in contained leagues. It really doesn't matter very much at all um, in the overall tournaments. Uh, the bigger the tournament, the more you probably should be looking at it. Um, football guys type tournament or whatnot, you know, with that many teams. I think it should be uh, looked at pretty hard. Um, obviously, in the big best ball tournaments, uh, the way they work at the end, you need to be trying to stack some things up. But you also need to do it a smart way and not uh, not be reaching two rounds or something to do it necessarily. You want it to kind of flow reasonably uh, normally, but uh, – you can bump them up a little bit, but if you start bumping up everybody too much just to stack, you're going to end up with kind of a mess probably. You don't want to give away value yeah, just to, just to get there. We have some questions from the chat. 
uh, guys, Theo, Dan, if you don't mind, I'll throw a, a couple on the screen. No, go for it. Sean here is asking specifically if there's any undervalued teams or offenses that you're targeting. I know there's some like trendy ones, uh, Detroit, uh, you know, kind of the cheaper stacks, Houston, are, are any of those uh, offenses that you're looking to invest that maybe you find are undervalued right now or any other ones? I found myself in best balls uh, having a lot of Houston stacks. Um, they're just, it's easy to accomplish because uh, Cooks is being left behind a lot um, to start with. And then uh, Collins is a good price point and, uh, and Mills is at the end of the draft. So that's uh, one that I found that was coming naturally. Um, and uh, the Jets are easy to do in best ball. Um, I'm not so sure. We're you asked me about good offenses. I don't know. These are that, but uh, they're easy to stack. Um, Overlooked for a reason, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, right? They are. I think that, uh, like, um, the, the Vikings offense just kind of excites me. I think Cousins is just goes too late, but I get it. Everybody has their starting quarterback by then, and. And um, then you're wanting to fill in your depth before you're going to take your quarterback. So he's just in that area. But, I, but I'm quite comfortable to have him as my QB1 if I get in a bind. Um, and you don't need to just stack him with Justin Jefferson. It can happen during the season. You can stack him with uh, and Osborne um, and stuff like that. So, and Irv Smith, if you like him. So, um doesn't always have to be the the alpha receiver with the quarterbacks as well. But. So to, just to piggyback off of Sean's question um, and a little bit of what JD talked about, um, but pivoting it to a redraft sense, Dan and I had a conversation last night where maybe there are certain players that I like or Dan likes um, that are intriguing guys, but they are potentially in not great offenses. Um, would you ever try to have exposure to two players on the same team from the, from uh, an offense you might have question marks about? Like, for example, this year, uh, a Brees Hall sometimes lands in a, in a spot where he's intriguing and maybe we like Elijah Moore. But could you potentially do, – do you really limit yourself by pairing two of those guys, a Drake London and a Kyle Pitts, the, that sort of situation? Um, I, I think that, uh, you are a little bit, but you're, you're right on the cusp there of, uh, like if you're like your team gets in the race, right. Um, you, it's just you, like a London with pits is going just late enough where, um, there's scenarios where you don't have to play London in your lineup potentially in the race if you're if you're worried about it and you know that you can't generate enough points in a in a bad passing offense but I, I don't really worry about it as far as drafting them goes um I just looked at them as players on a sheet and they're all that you know the everybody's in an order because of what they're expected to do and then I kind of know who's got maybe a little more upside beyond that or some downside beyond that or not excitement beyond just their name but um if you start worrying about things like that too much uh you just i find that you're just gonna end up leaving value behind and um and so i don't i don't paint myself in a corner and say oh i have hall so i elijah moore's out of play or i have pitts london's out of play i mean things happen during the season um guys get injured um Pitts gets hurt, then London could be a beast. So things happen, you know, that um, you'd never know what's going to happen. So I don't, I don't worry about it too much. Um, in best balls, uh, I would say in best balls, if you, if the quarterback's behind, like if, if the quarterback's gone, that you're going to be adding these multiple guys to a team, and you don't have him, then I think it limits your upsides in best ball tournaments because you can only probably get one huge score, you know, in week 17 out of that one, one guy or the other. So I don't like wasting too high. Like, I don't like, uh, it's a bad example because Burrow goes after chase and, 
and uh, Higgins, but you get the point. Like I wouldn't like let's pretend that Burrow lives ahead of Chase or, or Higgins. Um, this is really not making sense, but no, I know. Somebody explain it better than I am. <laughs> you, you, don't wanna, you don't want to invest too much in the same offense. Right. And, and if, if, if the quarterback's already, behind. especially, especially if you don't have the quarterback, if you're going in with the quarterback and you're trying to make that build, it makes more sense to you. But if you don't, you're risking it and you're capping your upside is basically. What so That's like right. if you had digs and Josh Allen went to somebody else, you'd probably stay away from Gabe Davis. There you go. That's a better example. way to put it. Yeah. See, that's 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 why Dan's here with the flow, and he just yes. knows how to make it flow. That's just what he does. So, guys, smash smash the buttons, uh, smash the buttons, smash the like, smash the subscribe, show us the support, guys. We're almost at five hundred. You know, help us get to five hundred subs. We're like, I think twenty away. Share with your family, friends. Get your mom to subscribe, man. You know, she doesn't need to necessarily watch, but you know, get anyone in your family to subscribe. The girlfriend, the wife. Uh, maybe she'll take a liking to Theo's new hairdo. You don't, you don't know, man. You never know about these things. So share, share the goodness. We're we're sharing the goodness tonight by having the best player on the planet uh, in the house. And uh, we got a question from Frank asking, and this may be, you know, good piggyback to what we we're just talking about. I hate how the questions cover your face, so I apologize, Chad. I'm not technical That's enough to kind thing. of that'll, that'll that. get your subscribers up. <laughs> <laughs> so Frank says, Chad, thanks so much for sharing your insight in tournament formats. How do you think about swinging for the fences on each pick versus players having a solid floor but limiting upside? Um, I don't really worry about either one too much. Uh, some people go real crazy. Um, I, I use the youth element as a tiebreaker in big tournaments. Uh, um, like I, the very first FFWC main event team I did, it was my first draft of the year that was for money. And it was baptism by fire. And uh, I come away with like every old guy you can imagine is what they were leaving me. And I kept taking them. So I just look back at the team at the end. Um, it's just all these old guys. And it's probably not a team that's going to have enough uh, energy to get something big accomplished. So you just want to be, um, you want to have at least some youth and upside, not just all veteran guys like the Robert Woods of the world. But um, I think that in certain build, builds, uh, guys like that might be useful um, to give you a sort of a steady hand, but you just can't have a bunch of steady hands. Right. We're, we're pretty ageist here, right, guys? Like in, in most cases, we're, we're getting pretty ageist, I find, every year more and more. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. But sprinkled in rather than, uh, you know, just totally like, you know, you don't, you, you don't want your team marinated in it. You just want it. You continually bouncing between formats. How, how do you manage that? Do you like to try to draft, you know, multiple FFPCs over a course of a few days and then kind of pivot over to NFFC? Um, or are you able to kind of do multiple formats in this, in the same evening? Um, and I guess the same day as well. Or possibly even the same time for Chad. Or the same time. Oh, yeah. I mean, all, all, there will be times this draft season where I'll have uh, leagues that are at least $2,000 going on at five different places at once. Um, so I don't – I'm able to – my brain works a little differently than most. But, I mean, it's not necessarily a good thing. But um, it'll, it allows me to do that at least without – and I understand – I've played so many – uh, teams over the years at these places that I know the format like the back of my hand and then what the the niches are or whatever of each one so it's like mind muscle connection almost for you at this point like going FFWC with the two flexes or FFPC with a tight end premium and you're just able to kind of like just over. just literally today you know um I, I was up in a couple different drafts at the same time earlier, and I was picking uh, early in both of them. And uh, so, like, I'm not necessarily huge on Fournette, but there was one time it made sense to take him because of the format over uh, an Evans or something. And uh, in the other format, FFWC slow draft that you heard chime a little bit ago, that – 
one was the other way around, it made more sense to take Evans because the receivers fly off there earlier. So just you got to kind of uh, know the landscape of what's going to be transpiring uh, in the upcoming rounds of the draft. Um, that really helps a lot and helps you break the ties. So. You don't operate with a do not draft list like like maybe some other people we know in, in the high stakes community. But are there situations you want to try to avoid, like based on the news coming out? Like, for example, if a, a player takes a knock, but there might not be any real information coming out. Are you more likely to look at like that as a maybe I'll get him a, a little bit cheaper or is that something I'm going to avoid for a day or two till I have clarity? Um, I play enough teams, so it, it depends a little bit at this point of the season on what I'm playing. Like if I'm playing a football guys or RT championship, you know, um, high upside type thing. I look at that as a buying opportunity on a, on a guy, if I don't have much of him at this point. Um, and if I'm doing best balls, same thing. Um, but uh, if I was doing like a contained high dollar league, I would definitely uh, let somebody else take on that risk and worry about it. Your your roster builds uh, very like pretty pretty balanced out. Are you looking at different builds going in? Do you just kind of go with the flow, or do you have kind of a, a go to or a favorite uh, that you find yourself leaning towards when you're doing these? You know, as you're starting to to do these drafts more and more. Um, it, it depends on, again, the format, like um, the places where you can start up to four running backs. Uh, people like to draft running backs there for some reason, a lot, lot more than the places where you have to start three wide receivers. So I try to own the players that make the most sense in the format that I'm owning them in. So I tend to uh, perhaps – cross it over a little bit and I have maybe a elite wide receiver play sometimes at the places where uh, you can play four running backs and uh, maybe slightly better running back play at the other places um, where you can, where you have to start three wide receivers. But I kind of just have a pecking order of each format based on my sheet. And I just kind of mentally know where the cutoffs are where, okay, this it's too big of a difference now. Um, I'm not turning down this position, even though it's not going to set me up the best for later. I got to just take bank the points. Um. We got a question from um, from our boy Joey. Shout out to the chat, by the way. It's again two nights in a row. You guys are pumping, uh, Joey, one of our faves. Dan, you uh, you read this question because I'm not really sure what the question is. I'm not. I, unfortunately, north of the border, I'm not allowed to draft in in a lot of these sites. You guys are talking about. Uh, thank goodness for the FFPC and, and drafters, but uh, NFFC, not so much right now. So, Dan, what uh, what is Joey referring to with KDS? Yeah, so uh, Joey's asking what process you go, for, go by for setting your, your KDS in the NFFC. And what KDS is, for those who don't know it, is uh, it's called the Kentucky, Kentucky Derby system, where you don't you don't get randomized for your draft picks. You get randomized for what order you get to select your draft pick in. So you get to decide what priority you want to put on each pick. Like, um, you know, you can, you can say, okay, I want, uh, I want picks one, two, three, or if I can't get those, I'll get uh, 10, 11, 12, or if I can't get those, I'll get uh, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, or something like that. And then if you got the, um, if you got the, you know, if you're ran, if the randomizer they ran for the, you know, figure out draft or came up number four, three people would get their first priority before you. And then you're the fourth person and whatever's left, whatever's highest on your list, that's what you get. Does that make sense, JD? Or not at all. As long as you yeah. don't, as long as you don't ask me to repeat it, it does. Depends <laughs> on how many beers you had. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So anyway, uh, that's it. You, you have a, you have a say in, in where you pick to an extent. Yeah, well, that's pretty cool. It's yeah. like another twist, right? Another yeah, twist. Exactly. To what, answer the question, I, uh, the best way to, to the, how I like to logically look at it, if that's a sim I don't forget to do in the first place. <laughs> um, uh, I like, I think the best way is get some current data from the 
the contest you're playing in. Um, so, like, if you're doing an online championship tonight, um, you need to set immediately. Uh, usually, like, last three days or something or two days of online championship tournaments. And just get a layout of, of how the pecking order goes and what you're uh, most likely to be facing um, if you're in the different spots and then uh, from there. And it allows you to, to potentially kind of map it out through like three rounds, like where the sweet spots are going to be. Um, assume you're using somewhat of a, some tiering systems. Um, Chad, I think we're losing you a bit. I don't know if you want to maybe hop out and come back right in. Is that yeah. is, am I, is that on my end, guys, or is that no? Uh, no it's Chad. It, it's okay. Maybe just to clear up. Uh, maybe in the time let, letting them clear up, Dan, you could pull up the the draft board. Yeah, let's that do that. We drafted, we drafted against Chad last night. Um, Dan and I were in the one hundred and one. It was a loaded draft. It was multiple former Goat District uh, guests. We had Nelson Sousa in this draft. Um, we had Kyle Hillseam in this draft. Um, we had Danny Mueller in this draft. Um, and, of course, Chad was also in this draft. Um, Dan and I were drafting out of the one, the one spot. Um, Dan, maybe you could talk about kind of what we did um, to start out the draft, and then we could kind of pass it on to, uh, to Chad to talk about his process. Okay. Yeah. So um, out of the one slot, you know, obviously we had a decision to make. Uh, did we want McCaffrey or Taylor or even Jefferson? But uh, Theo and I already had a Jefferson team. So we decided to go McCaffrey on this particular draft. And, uh, you know, I think a couple of our big decision points were when we came back around to the end of the second round, since it's third round reversal, we were only getting one guy instead of two guys. So we had to decide between ETN and the other guy that we were we had in there as a potential pick was uh, AJ Brown, uh, who really almost made it back to us. But we knew there was probably no way that ETN was making it back to us. So that was kind of our our pick there, which set us up with uh, you know a double running back, and then that, that left us free to just sit and hammer wide receiver for a while, uh, you know which. As you can see, we we certainly did. Uh, we we uh, kind of took a little bit of a chance uh, trying to push Trey Lance back a little bit. Unfortunately, we were able to do that. Uh, you know, it, it was not clear at the seven eight turn that whether he was going to make it back to the nine ten or not, and uh, he ended up doing that. And then after after getting that and just kind of seeing the value in in uh, Dubes, especially since we had Lazard, so it just kind of gave us the double on the, the that Green Bay stack. Uh, then we had to start kind of hitting more running backs, and then after that, we just got kind of shafted on tight end. But uh, <laughs> that's the way it goes. But that's that's kind of what our strategy was. Uh, Chad, what what uh, what did you think about this draft? What was your strategy going in? How did it work out? Just kind of give us a you know quick two minute summary of uh, well, um, this is a good good thing to look at yeah i wouldn't look at my team because it's that's not a good thing to look at but um a good example of what what can occur if you do something wrong um and sometimes i get a little overconfident in my abilities to get out of the mess but this is such a talented field that it wasn't the right league to probably do it um you you should not be taking an early tight end and quarterback like i did here it's just going to leave you a little bit too you got to really uh, thread the needle and hit on everything at wide receiver um but it, it was tough i mean um like the exact 15 guys were gone that i was hoping something slipped through the crack the cracks uh and they didn't and then it, it just seems like once one thing like that goes bad it just things go off the rails and it never comes back on um there was uh, certainly some sweet spots uh, at the ends of the draft. I felt like where uh, the value made it to, which often doesn't happen. Um, and in my case, the value was just closing all night right before I picked. But uh, so I was just doing the best I could. Um, and I did was able to get uh, Gabe Davis to stack with Josh Allen. I was surprised Davis made it back around. I almost took davis uh where i took allen but uh, i figured if i uh 
one of those wides would make it back. If it wasn't him, I don't care. I would get a, a similar player. Um, and then uh, one thing that was really frustrating, um, I thought I was getting a, an okay price point on Schultz. Um, and perhaps looking back, I should have taken one of those running backs that, that came off the board shortly uh, after before I picked again. I was gambling that one of them would make it back and none of my preferred ones did. Um, and, and then I see like Nelson at the end gets, uh, Goddard at the very end of the eighth round. Um, like you would have preferred Pollard there. Or? Uh, uh, well, it's going the other way. It's the reverse. Yeah. Third round reversal. Stevenson Edmonds type guy and Goddard would probably be better than Bob Woods. And, um, and, uh, Schultz looking back so and especially knowing that i already took the early quarterback i should have known better than to try that that was a dumb idea and i paid for it when you when you do your your draft reviews um kind of chat are you also paying attention like if in, in a contest like the oc you might do i don't even i don't even know how many entries but you're going to do a number of entries in this oc are Probably you kind 15. of paying attention to the 15 and then, it, then it's the rest is just up. And I'm going to limit it to 15 and all these smaller dollar ones, and then all of 40 prime times, 120 FFPC main events. Um, Will you be doing a number of the classics this year? Even though there's no, there's no, um, you know. Yeah, big, I'll be doing a handful of those. Yeah. Nice. Will, will you try to look at tendencies on? Will you try to look on t- at tendencies on, like? who people are taking that you're going to be drafting against. Um, does that ever play into it when you're doing your board review? Well, I don't ever do a board review unless it's a unique circumstance like this. I'm so well, damn happy go. to be moving on to the next task. <laughs> I just close that draft board immediately. Blank canvas, right, Chad? Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't have time to, I, bear, I it's hard enough to do 300 drafts, let alone, um, draft review 300 of them also i kind of know what mistakes i made during the i kind of do it during the draft how many how many total that you're managing uh 1912 wants to know that you'll be drafting you think total uh 300 330 probably um and then a bunch of best balls also damn and chad how when when you're when you're saying that number it, it how many? How many would you say are closed leagues like the the NFFC Supers, the Diamonds, the FFPC Varsities versus a national contest league? Right. Would you say it's it's uh you're eighty trying to get in more eighty of those? or so probably? Yeah, eighty leagues ish probably would be my guess. Um, uh, and I don't play any of those contained leagues unless they're a thousand or more. I don't want to get bogged down with low dollar, uh, uh, contained leagues. So what, what's kind of like your, your general, your general, uh, strategy for a tournament versus a contained league. And I know not all the contained leagues have the same scoring. Like some are, you know, more based on scoring some win loss pays into it, plays into it. But what's kind of like, is there a certain player you might have more exposure to in a closed league versus a big tournament? Um, like you mentioned, they're, you're less apt to do stacking in a closed league. Any other changes for closed leagues? Not really. I'm, I probably uh, – I think that a lot of times uh, people make a mistake. My, my peers might – and I wouldn't – don't want to lump any particular person into this, but I think perhaps the mindset is in a tournament we need to look all upside all the time and in a – cash league we can look for more boring guys more often um like it's a dfs game or something you're playing a 50 50 versus a a gpp you're going more chalk right in the in the contained whereas in the tournament you're taking more flyers i i tend to draft all my teams similarly um because quite frankly when i'm doing five or six at a time at points i don't even know what the hell it is sometimes i'm just looking at who i have and who's available um and 
the way I look at it, you're not, you know, I've won those, some, those overall contests that I've won at those, the, the hat trick of those main sites. Um, they were, it was far from the case where I had the best team in the tournament uh, in uh, at least two of the four um, that I've won, you know, so weird things can happen once the race starts. Um, and if you're not in it, you're not, going to win it. So, um, I think you can get, uh, differentiation by other means than just by reaching up upside guys all the time. Um, nobody knows who's going to go off in the playoffs. Old guys can score points too. Um, Chad, you know, you're, you're, you haven't been drafting too much. Um, so you're kind of fresh to this. Are there any guys um, that kind of stand out to you that you're surprised where they're going uh, maybe in the first two rounds or does it the first is, two rounds? Um, yeah. Is there any, anybody who's looking like a, maybe the, the fantasy community is a little too bullish on them or is there anybody that kind of stands out to you as a, as a terrific value in the first two rounds? Well, let me just look at this draft board that we got up here. And, um, and the, so the only players uh the only players that i'm very very light on that went in the first couple rounds here are kelsey andrews and debo i, I had a feeling debo was going to be one of those yeah um so and it, it goes back to the tight ends are just a per personal preference. They're going to have to uh, fall a little bit further than, than uh, they usually do for me to be interested in picking them off. Um, FFPC is a little bit different. Um, I usually try to take my tight end uh, at a point where I think all the tiers are closed off at the other positions. Um and then I will look to the tight end position at that point to try to see if it makes sense to jam one in. Cause I'm never going to particularly like when I have to take one over there. So you got to do it sometime. So, um, and you don't want to be ending up with the same late round guys every time. So that you're confident in. So you got to um, pick your spots for Kelsey and Andrews where you get them at a discount and, uh, and pits. Um, I'm not real keen on Kittle and Waller at that position either for what that's worth. But And maybe talk a little bit about Debo, because we've talked about him as a potential regression guy on the GOAT district before. Um, kind of what are your thoughts? Is it is it lightning not striking twice? Do you see his role in the offense changing? Is it a Lance issue? What what what's standing out to you, Chad, with the with Debo here? Uh the main thing is just the, the passing volume is not going to be there. So I'm out on Ayuk uh, and Kittle. Um, they're going to have their moments and he can, the, the thing is he can hit big plays. Um, but heck that, that uh, what's that young dude's name? Uh, Danny Gray. Danny Gray. Who's to say he's not going to get him. You can't be putting him in a redraft lineup. So um it's just real hard when they're to, to waste a second round pick like that, in my opinion, um, when there's potential league winning running backs going around that time, oftentimes uh, it's not quite happening as much anymore with uh, <coughs> Kamara and Javante getting pushed forward and Barkley certainly mm -hmm. pushed forward now. Um, but if, you know, I don't know, I just would rather probably have uh Tyreek Hill or, or Evans or Pittman or something um, that I just believe in is more of a traditional wide receiver. And let's also not forget Debo get his long history getting hurt a lot. Um, and the more running back he plays, the, the more likely that is to happen. And I just don't think there's going to be a, you know, like a Drew Brees, Michael Thomas, that's not going to be those short, you know, two point plays where you're getting catches for 10 yards, you know, that you can count on. So I just see some games where it's going to be real frustrating to watch. Like this is my second round pick and 
boy, this is rough. But guys, if you're if you're watching right now or you're listening after, tell us in the comments which guys you're avoiding in the, in these first two rounds. Uh, Theo, I'm I'm going to take it to uh, 1912 because I really want to ask Chad about this. There's a couple factors here. Uh, we've seen this guy's name everywhere. I'm wondering, Chad, coming into this, the three kind of you know hot uh, topics right now are Pickens out there in uh, in Pittsburgh, uh, Dubs, and then Pacheco. Are you on these guys? Have you seen kind of this climb in ADP by the three? And like, how do you approach these these hype rookie players? You know, this time of season, how do you differentiate guys that you want to hitch your wagon to and guys that are just you know smoke? So they'll they'll. I mean, my draft sheet's a sort of a very adjusted uh, ADP list. Um, takes a lot of different factors into consideration, but. Um, they're going to have to fall a substantial amount for me to be interested. I mean, I can count on probably two fingers how many times these hype guys have worked out in the past that since I've been playing. So you're not going to FOMO into it? No. Can you guys name many that have worked out in the past? Yeah, we, we went through this yesterday. There's, there's a few. I mean, that, that, that did not yeah. end up. Curtis Patrick uh, comped him to Orleans Darkwa, and that gave me a little bit of a, a little bit of a pause. <laughs> wow. He had to go six. He had to go six pages into the Rotoviz screener. I thought that was interesting. <laughs> um, <laughs> Chad, I do want to. I do want to ask you. Um, we're seeing it in the FFPC and the NFFC. It seems like there's like the third, fourth, fifth rounds are straight yellow. Um, in the NFFC, like. Last night, Dan, in, in our third round, I believe it's 10, 10 wide receivers go in the third, um, and then we see nine go in the fourth. Um, are there any players that kind of stand out to you um, as fantastic values in those two rounds, Chad, without getting into kind of your guys? Um, are can, there any can you say that the, the rounds again? The, which rounds again? So I, we can push it to the to the fifth, but I really the third and the fourth third round. And fourth, okay. Third and fourth look like, you know, I, I think there's – there's a potential league winner in there, but I think it's kind of it's got to be sorted out because they're all so bunched together. I I couldn't agree more, and I'm uh, as we talked a little bit before we came on. Um, how I'm trying to do it is uh, that's one thing that I'm actually uh, changing my pecking order at each site um, right now because it's kind of weird how at different sites different guys go off in different orders. Yeah, um, I, I agree with you on that. Um, so I actually changed my data for that. Um, and right now I'm just trying to do whatever gives me the chance to land the most of them possible because I think that the sweet spot's wide receiver in that territory for the most part. So yeah. Def definitely. Are there any players you're seeing kind of going, uh, you know, after the like fourth or fifth round where you're, you're just kind of wondering why, why is it that these guys are going this way? Why, you know, what am I seeing that nobody else is seeing? After the fourth or fifth round? Um, yeah. Not really. Um, there's a, I mean, cousins would be one as we talked about. Um, right. And I see here to, uh, team two in that draft last night is leading. Uh, let's see what else he accomplished here. Yeah, probably not going to like that Andrews pick, but he got T Lund to go with uh, Cousins, uh, which I like. Um, the structure is pretty good. If you have a Cousins team, I don't necessarily agree with the some of the names on the that he took, but um, maybe a uh, not taking Andrews and then. Uh, flipping one of those out for a tight end later and look pretty strong. That's the type of cousins build you can uh, do if you're not worried about the, to could it, could it take an early later five this year there. I mean, look at, I mean, he could be a QB five. He's got elite wide receiving core. Um, so that's the guy that stands out, but I get why he goes where he goes because he comes in that spot where, Everybody has their quarterback already. Um, so if you want to do build, a few builds without and uh, plan on getting him, I think it works 
um, at the, especially like NFFC where it's a kind of a pass heavy format versus the, like, I feel like the Jalen Hurts of the world and Lance's the world are a little bit devalued when it's six points, a touchdown pass versus uh, four, but um, not that they're still not fine, but you know what I mean? And then I, I would like to, to add that last year you, you talked about a couple of your late, um, your late wide receiver um, options in the double digit rounds. Um, you talked about Jacoby Myers and he ended up catching 83 passes. Are there any like double digit round wide receivers that you think drafters need to keep an eye on that maybe intrigue you uh, maybe a little bit more than some other drafters right now? Um, like I want to get your late round wide receiver chat so I can draft him as well. <laughs> no, let's just get it right out there. Well, we had yeah, just, to be completely honest, I, you know, yes, I'll ask I, you I, I like the guys. Um, I like the like the number three wide receivers that are an injury away from one of the top two guys getting hurt from being AJ a Osborne, like Osborne, Palmer, um, those types of players. Boyd fits that mix. He goes a little earlier than I probably prefer to take him. Um, you know, and and shots on the Chiefs if they drop a little bit. Um, and VDS is getting paid pretty handsomely. Um, uh, like you could do worse than like Marvin Jones and and uh, Zay Jones, and and if you're struggling receiver and and then drop the one that's not working out. Um, uh, uh, no, that was that's some good, a couple good names you gave us. Um, West Westbrook, Ekine uh, from from. Uh, Tennessee is a sneaky one that nobody's talking about. Um, I, uh, I'm not a big believer in Burks. Um, and I don't know how healthy Woods is. And um, watching the, the camp videos, uh, the guys that are getting open the cleanest um, that I'm seeing are uh, on the Titans are Westbrook and, uh, and the rookie Phillips. Phillips, yeah, the the guy who's chasing around rabbits with a hammer. But I just that don't. I, th I think a slot wide receivers and the the Titans aren't a team that I want the slot wide receiver on with double tight ends a lot and Henry pounding the ball that just doesn't really. You, I want slot receivers on teams that are in the shotgun a lot. You know, um, mm -hmm. that's not Tennessee. So. We've got to ask Chad the question we've asked every single guest uh, this this off season. And then um, and he's he's got to go with you after that. Yeah, we got to. Yeah, I'll get you out of here. So right now, I still uh, I have about I have about eight minutes or so. Okay, okay. awesome. Uh, right now, Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, and Jamar Chase are one, two, three in almost every single draft, um, and in almost every single format. If you were to pick another wide receiver besides those three to finish as wide receiver one overall this year, who would it be? And you, you, you mentioned you mentioned Cup, Jefferson, and Chase. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I mean, this is kind of a chicken shit answer, but Diggs would it's be okay. my next one. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's, 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 I mean that's the answer. That's the answer. I mean, you know. Um, Anybody further down the line that really intrigues you that you could see that maybe besides the Diggs, Lambs, Adams. Uh, grouping is there anybody that that you think could do it from right, the, kind of just, the next year let's just for it for a second um just wonder what like what would happen if uh taylor got hurt for the colts um and all of a sudden they had to start throwing the ball to move the ball um god 180 target michael pittman don't even yeah. i don't i don't but if taylor doesn't get hurt i don't I don't love Pittman's upside much in the second. It's going too high now. Third third round now, he's up there. Yeah, I mean, so but that would be one guy that I could see some scenarios unfolding where he could do it. Um, that's a little down the list further, but awesome. We've gotten a, we've gotten a bunch of answers. Diggs has been mentioned many, many times, so that's perfectly acceptable. We've uh, we've had a good run with that question. 
Yeah. And um, just real quick before we get you out of here, Chad, um, how much attention are you paying to, uh, you know, little news nuggets like, uh, uh, you know, we see Tom Brady still hasn't really said when he's coming back and, you know, the coach is just kind of getting a little bit angry when people ask him about that. Is that something that means anything to you or is that something, you know, nuggets like that? Do you pay attention to them or no? Well, it just crossed my mind today. Um, it just crossed my mind today and I don't want to, like, I don't, I can't predict anything, but um, it, I found myself drafting Evans a little bit, um, you know, ahead of the Pittman uh, Higgins and, and AJ Brown grouping. And I wonder if I need to start mixing that up a little bit more. I'm starting to get a little nervous that that Brady might retire again abruptly. Um, this this thing looks to me like um, it's his wife's not happy with him about playing again. I don't think, and she's not happy that she's had to hold up her far too. Her role has been. Uh, much more than his as far as getting the kids to school and stuff all the time. And I think she's wasn't planning on him playing football this long. And so when he says it's a personal issue, I think it's a marriage issue. And, and he's the type of guy that's a confident man um, that he, if he thinks it's the right decision, he'd say to hell with it tomorrow. If he, changes his mind this, so, is why, this is why he's the best guys he's got a direct line to brady's wife uh giselle and he's getting all the dirt look at that look at this you look at it you worth watching the whole show just because of that tidbit right there i don't have a direct line but uh i i think it's it's, it's starting to worry me a little bit that there's more to it than what uh it's not normal to go on a two-week hiatus uh three weeks before the season Especially he's like an all-in kind of guy. You think he, he wants to be exactly. there this time of year, you know? Exactly. And working with different receivers, uh, Julio and Gage, although yeah. they're all hurt. So. They all have hammies. Yeah. So maybe that had something to do with it, that he thought that he could pull this off because he couldn't throw to them anyway. I don't know. But it's just something that crossed my mind today that um, we shouldn't be talking about it. Anymore. We spent too much time talking about it already. But. <laughs> Well, we could we could talk to you all night, Chad, and and we appreciate the 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 sixty two that you gave us tonight. We always appreciate you joining us uh, on the district. Remind the peeps where they can find you on Twitter, and uh, wish you all the all the best of luck this season, man. I hope you crush it again this year. All right, I, Chad Sch twenty three on Twitter. Um, uh, I'm not a very interesting tweeter, so. Um, <laughs> But I uh, think yeah, you differ, guys but, have a good uh, season and enjoy the draft season and hopefully stay. Oh, you, you had a good one today. I, I forget now what it was. I'd have to look it up. But you had a good one today. I was looking yeah, at it. Chad, Chad comes up with some pretty good ones from time to time. So it's, it's always entertaining to watch. Shout, shout out to the chat. You guys are awesome, man. You guys have been with us two nights straight now, three three shows straight. We're going to keep bringing the goodness uh as as we get towards the season get you guys ready to crush your leagues theo what do we have coming up so monday we'll have pat corain of uh, nbc sports edge coming into the district um and then we will have on i believe it's uh, thursday evening we'll have tommy labretti last year's um primetime and silver bullet champion joining uh ffpc uh heavyweight noah riddell um for our it's a trap show where we'll be sharing our fades this year um, we'll go around the horn and, and we kind of give players we don't like at certain ranges of the draft. Uh, it's always a fun one in the district. So next week's going to be fire. The listener league really quickly, uh, working out details. We're probably doing the 35 super flex two. We'll do, it's a 35 buy-in. I'm working out uh, a situation right now so that those of you that have already sent in your information, you're part of it, it your, your entry will be covered. If you haven't and you want to send in, you know, email us, uh, goatdistrict.gmail.com, your username on uh, FFPC. And if we still have room, we'll get you in. I'm pretty sure we were full for the one league. But if we get enough guys and we can start a second one, we'll get a second one going. So thanks for sending in your info, guys. And uh, yeah, man, we'll see you guys out there in the trade rooms. We'll check you all later.
Patrick, you know the Pope listens. Dynasty, our religion, for the blokes missing. On all of these trades, on all of these plays, on all of these grades. By the end of the day, y'all getting played. So, what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex? Send the homie a text? That trash offers the best? You try to make it complex? Then they text you back, now all of a sudden they don't make any sense? <laughs> Broaden your horizons, boy. Dynasty's not for the Simons, boy. These trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be trading. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Fish.